More of what we talked about yesterday, folks. I'm telling you, it's all linking up. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Happy Wednesday. The What's Right Show is on. And what am I talking about here? I'm talking about this Hunter thing this morning. The I, I predict that tonight the mainstream media will herald his refusal to answer questions and participate in a hearing. Capitol Hill, uh, they'll they'll say it's that they'll say that he took a stand against MAGA. That's what they're, and this is exactly uh, part of the same strategy that uh, Team Biden's employing. I mean, I'm talking now about Joe Biden, not Hunter, but that Joe Biden's employing to stay out of the debates. See if if you know if we can make. You know, Trump into an insurrectionist ex-president, a threat, existential threat to the republic, that kind of thing. Well, then you you don't have to you don't have to debate him. You don't have to, yeah, you know, you you can stand on a righteous, uh, elevated position and 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 say you're you're not going to do it because it would be beneath the presidency, beneath yourself, and that's. Kind of the strategy, I think, that Hunter is uh, employing here. Now, if you missed it, here's what happened. Hunter shows up at Capitol Hill uh, House Oversight Committee this morning, okay? He's flanked by his lawyer, Abe Lowell, and his sugar brother, Kevin Morris. This is a Hollywood lawyer that's uh, given a Hunter a fair amount of money and kind of considers him a, a chum, but there's it's an odd relationship. So they call him the sugar brother because they think they've – Referred Hunter referred to him this way at one point. So Mace, Nancy Mace, uh, tears in a Hunter Biden during her remarks, and it's it's a hearing. It's a hearing to determine right if Hunter Biden ought to be held in contempt of Congress, and that's because, of course, he did not show for the closed door uh, deposition that was scheduled, and instead held that ridiculous press conference on the steps of the Capitol. So the um, meeting begins. Nancy Mace gets up there. By the way, her remarks are fabulous. Play those for you in a moment. Uh, and then, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG, Congresswoman from Georgia, uh, gets her moment to speak. And as even before she begins to speak, Hunter Biden stands up, and you can hear the room gasps. Okay, people are. Very surprised by this. Uh, this is an unexpected thing, and he just bolts. He bolts and leaves. And that's just it. The thing, the thing that they are saying, and his team is saying, is that they don't want to listen to MTG. She's, you know, he doesn't have to listen to her. I, for, well, yeah, for, for, what, Don Jr.? We're going to talk about presidential kids. Don Jr. was sat there in a chair and let the Dems drill him for eight hours. Okay, I mean this 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 guy is uh, he doesn't want to face the music, and like his father, like Joe, he's using the excuse that he doesn't have to listen to any MAGA people like Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. Joe doesn't have to debate. 
debate Trump because, of course, Trump's an insurrectionist. And this, this is how they're going to move forward. And the media are lapping it up. And they will, I promise you, even on the subject here of Hunter, they are going to carry water for him like you cannot imagine. Yeah, Mays said he was the epitome of white privilege. Um, and, 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 uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was phenomenal. And, and, and by the way, this is one of the things that, Hunter Biden and his lawyers are saying, saying, well, this is the reason why we don't want to sit down with the Republicans behind a closed door session, behind closed doors, and, and, and participate in a deposition. We, we want a public hearing. And let me, uh, let me tell you, that is the most, uh, that is the most deceptive uh, thing that, that they could possibly say. The reason they want a public hearing is they know Democrats can filibuster. They know the Democrats will be able to use their time to obstruct the proceeding. That's that's what they're counting on. They want the public proceeding. They want a hearing instead of a deposition because the deposition, of course, is taken under oath, which the hearing is as well. Uh, but in, in the deposition, there's no grandstanding. They set the rules beforehand as they had they can schedule it. They set the rules. They agree to it, how much time, etc. And then they ask their questions. And there's no grandstanding. There's no, you know, the th- it's, it's, again, it's, and that's, that's the thing. Hunter wants the drama. They, he wants it because the drama is a distraction. This is a classic political ploy. The last thing in the world that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden want are, carefully and methodically laid out questions asked under oath getting at the nature of these various business relationships money flowing through the Biden family from uh, well foreign people folks affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party uh, Burisma etc etc and tracing the money right and Hunter knows this he's got the answers and the reason he looks, you know, he's he's bolting and doesn't. The reason that he is dead set against participating in any way and making it and and blaming that it's all you know political persecution is because he does not want to answer these questions. Cannot answer these questions behind door number one is perjury. Uh, door number two is you know is 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 criminally implicating himself and of course his father. And other family members as well. So th- that that's that's the thing. Oh, tr- even Drudge this <laughs> this morning. Hunter stares down the MAGA. That was that was the thing. Yes, um, and uh, stares down the MAGA. Boy, that Hunter. He is one brave recovering crackhead. He lasted. The dude lasted seventeen minutes. Okay, 17 minutes. And you, you, get, you could hear the gasps in the room as he got up and, and bolted. So this occurred, this all went down in the house, the Rayburn House office building. This is uh, right next to the Capitol where some of the uh, big meeting rooms are. It's one of the larger ones. Um, you know, he took one question about his dad's role in the foreign dealings when he asked... Was asked why he put Joe Biden on speakerphone during approximately twenty 
business meetings, okay, that Hunter held during uh, his dad's vice presidency. This all happened in the Obama years. Remember, Obama told us his presidency, well, one thing he's most proud of, his presidency had no scandal. Well, <laughs> here's another one you can add to the list. Benghazi, Fast and Furious. You know the list. Anyway, so here's the – so what he said, hey, th- this was his – this is the kind of – can I say – I can't say it on the radio, but this is the kind of jerk that Hunter Biden is. He, he answered the question, to, you know, why did you put your dad on speakerphone calls? Quote, if he called you, meaning if, if the president of the United States called you, would you answer the phone? And, and this, you got to remember that Devin Archer, who was his best friend in business, his, his partner there at Rosemont Seneca Partners, had testified all the way back in July that Hunter initiated these calls, frequently initiated these calls, and you know, at the very least, right, used those calls with his father. Hey, Dad, I got Chairman, you know, Zhao over here from 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 Chicom Industries A, and um, Zhao really Zhao's my, my my dad, Vice President of the United States, so Joe Biden. Hey, how's it going? That, that's how the calls went. He initiated them, and and at the very least, again, at the very least. Those calls were designed to impress people who then paid money to Rosemont Seneca Partners, and that money ended up in the checking accounts, various bank accounts of Biden family members, uh, including the president himself. So that's that's you know this is why this matters. Yeah, there was a heckler or two in the room. I, yeah, their entire, I'm telling you, the entire way that they seek to get around all of this and get out of this is by saying Republicans are all MAGA, they're all insurrectionists, they're all beneath the dignity of, of public discourse. We're not even entertaining this, and you can go, you know, you can go shove off. That's going to be the strategy. Okay, got to take a quick break. You're listening to the What's Right Show Wednesday, January 10th, here on News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Folks, just a small programming reminder, as promised, uh, here at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Matt Brooks, uh, my good friend, is in town uh, here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, visiting from D.C. Matt is the head of the RJC, Republican Jewish Coalition. He just had the opportunity to travel to Israel uh, was there accompanying Vice President Pence. So uh, I, I will talk to Matt. We'll have him here and have a lot of uh, questions for him. You do not want to miss this. In the meantime, here on the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, uh, talking briefly about Hunter's uh, moment <laughs> back in D.C. this morning. <laughs> this is <laughs> – so he, he storms out. First off, I promised you, Nancy Mace – you know, she she really let him have it in her remarks uh, in this hearing, and 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 this probably explains why uh, seventeen minutes in, 
um, Hunter decided to abscond. Listen to Nancy Mays talking here. My first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, Second question, you are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here. And Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry, Mr. Chairman. If the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Did you keep interrupting me? I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law. Come on, come on. And the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. They arrested Trump people for not testifying, for refusing subpoenas. What is so absurd about what Nancy Mace is saying? I, I think the answer there is that we are a nation of laws, but laws applied unequally, depending what party affiliation you have, particularly, particularly... If you happen to be a uh, a political affiliate of Donald J. Trump, so so this this you could see it got a little feisty, and um, you know I got to enjoy the fact when the Republicans start using the same language as the Democrats here, uh, white privilege, and let the woman speak. Yeah, maybe the Democrats here have a quote unquote woman problem, right? So this is. Uh, first thing. So then, then this is how it continued. Nancy Mace went on to say this: "You were too afraid to show up." for a deposition. And you still can't today. Um, I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago too, my friends on the other side of the aisle, um, that you also believed in the the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with congressional subpoena accountable. And I stood with each and every one of you. I am the only member in this room today who has held a member of my own party in contempt of Congress for not showing up for a subpoena. And I see nothing but complete hypocrisy on the other side of the aisle. Yep, that's, and she's got the moral authority to say that because that all of that is true. Of course, we're talking about, um, you know, for example, Bannon, right? Don't forget Bannon. He didn't show up and, um, you know, they, they, they charged me. They, they, had a, they, they put him on trial. So this, this is why I went. So the, here, the moment... This is you want to hear. Here's the moment when Hunter Biden decided that he was done. Okay, and like I said, this was depending on where you start the clock. Essentially, 17 minutes into the hearing, right as MTG Marjorie Taylor Greene's about to speak, this happens. Miss Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently, you're afraid of my going? words. Whoa. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. No, this is I'd like to Jerry reclaim Springer, my time, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> he's wow, getting up. He's, that's too bad. He's packing up with his lawyers, and he's literally walking out the door. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. Well, let me add something to this, right? This is a guy that 
on tape on his own laptop kept kept a library of himself um enjoy, enjoying a you know we'll call it depraved companionship with women that were paid to be there all right i'm trying to be nice about this but this is a guy this you see the absurdity right of the narrative that we know is coming and the narrative will be that hunter biden doesn't want, he doesn't he doesn't he's beneath listening to a mega extremist an insurrectionist like Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? That his argument is that he's morally superior, and the media will never question that. They'll never, they'll never say, "Well, wait a minute, this is the guy that was f- flying hookers around the country, was sex trafficking women. This is the guy smoking a crack pipe, holding a gun, naked with his, you know, schwanz hanging out for the world, and taking photos of that and storing it on his laptop that he then forgot all about. That this guy is gonna." lecture us on on his dignity so that's you know that's the setup and so the media reactions i i told you this this stuff is starting to come in so one of the things uh this was the report uh this pre pre-hearing they're already setting up the narrative We'll see what tonight's news has. But in the morning, this is what they were running. CNN said this. He has said all along that he doesn't want to appear for a closed-door deposition. He only wants to testify in a public setting. He's worried about Republicans selectively leaking his testimony. And instead, he did a press conference in front of the Capitol. But Republicans still say that was not enough for them. They've decided to move ahead with contempt proceedings. Sounds like Hunter Biden right now might be showing up if we want to start walking this way. He could be on his way right now. As I said, this is part of the Hunter Biden's effort right now to really show that he is making every effort to comply with the subpoena to appear for a deposition. Time and time again, he said he's willing to talk to Republicans, at least in a public setting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until until what? Until they, they, they say, we need you to be hauled off to jail and then and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't even have a chance to speak and he's already out of there? I wonder, I'm Robbie tomorrow, once the evening news at CNN, all the programs run their explanations for what just happened this morning. Uh, tomorrow, we got to bring everybody the, the before and after because the before is goes, oh, it's going to, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's going to, he's going to participate. He's going to be there publicly. He's going to do it. He's going to look at this is what he's wanted all along. Like I said before. The only reason he wants this to be public is he wants to turn it into a circus and deflect from the seriousness of the inquiry, which is answering these questions under oath is a uh, an existential threat, not just to, you know, legally to, to Hunter, but but certainly to, to, to Biden, the administration, the presidency itself. MSNBC said something similar. Listen to this. I think it's his way of saying, I will testify. I've always said I will testify. I'm not going to do it in secret. I'm going to do it in public. So that, to me, is his statement that he's making today. He has always said he will testify. He just doesn't want to do it in secret. So it's really hard to argue that he's in contempt because he refused to testify. It's just the forum. Secret or in public for everyone to see it. And that's what his attorneys have argued all along, is he's not defying a subpoena. He's just trying to make sure whatever he said in its full context is before the American public to hear so that his fear was that the committee members, Republicans, would kind of spice and dice whatever he said behind closed doors and put out partial transcripts that would misconstrue the the context. This All of this is absurd. 
You don't get to pick if you're at the target of an investigation, congressional, you don't get to pick the terms and the basis by which you're interviewed. It doesn't work this way. So we'll see what kind of contortions they put themselves through uh, once um, the fallout from this morning uh, uh, gets laid out. All right, friends, got to run here. Bottom of the hour. A quick break. When we return, Matt Brooks here in town from Washington, D.C. Matt is the head of the RJC, my good friend, and uh, just back from Israel. So we'll talk to him about that. I look forward to it. Stay tuned. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Uh, in studio with me is my good friend Matt Brooks from the Republican Jewish Coalition. Matt, welcome uh, to Vegas. Uh, it's great to be here, as always. Uh, especially great to be with you, Sam. Oh, <laughs> thanks. It's uh, it's been it's been nice to catch up with you. We've um, we've had a few uh, a couple really good dinners. We have another a great meal planned for tonight, and then the diet begins uh, when you leave town. So the cleanse. The, the cleanse. cleanse. I am. Um, I uh, uh but it, but it's it's fun. I I I love one of the best things about one of the best things about Vegas but briefly here because I know a lot of folks here um experiences everyone comes to visit us. If you live in Vegas, people come to you. And what what we normally do not eat out like this all the time, you know. This is when we have company that comes in and and we go out and have to have to go do the same. And it's great fun. So it's fun checking out the Fountain Blue. That was that was neat. We'll um Touch on some of those points, perhaps on eTalk repeat later in the week. Uh, but I want to ask you: You're back. You you flew directly to Las Vegas from Israel, correct? And you and got in. What, what what when was that? You were there over the weekend. I was there. Uh, I left with Vice President Pence. Uh, we flew out on uh, Wednesday, hit the ground, uh, arrived Thursday morning uh, in Israel, hit the ground right away, and then uh, I flew uh, Sunday night uh, right from Tel Aviv to. Uh, uh, I always want to still call it McCarran, but uh, to Harry Reid uh, International Airport. Well, Harry Reid, formerly known as McCarran. <laughs> formerly known. <laughs> Some of us here are still in denial over that, so that's okay. Um, so, so, all right, so tell me about the trip. What were your impressions? Any surprises? Um, anything that, that, you know, that you weren't expecting? And I, I know you've got your ear to the ground, but but being there on location is is very different than than hearing things um, you know, from friends and associates. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, so absolutely correct. I mean, nothing – I thought going there as somebody who is an avid uh, consumer of news and information on this subject, I mean, this is stuff that I deal with professionally every day. I thought I understood uh, what transpired on October 7th uh, and thought going over there, uh, you know, I knew uh, – you get there and then you realize that nothing that you thought, uh, nothing was correct and, and nothing could prepare you for how absolutely gut-wrenching, horrific uh, it was to walk 
the streets of Kfar Aza, which was one of the uh, kibbutzes that was attacked on October 7th, and to see the carnage and the destruction and the depravity and the just absolute total evil uh, of the people who were perpetrated uh, these heinous acts on these uh, poor innocent people in their homes. And you'd see the, uh, the safe rooms where people were hiding, um, burned, charred, uh, that they were burned alive inside of, of, of their safe rooms by these animals. Um, you would uh, see where um, uh, homes were shot up and, and RPG rocket propelled grenades were launched into people's homes. Uh, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, I've I've seen I've you know I've I've seen terror attacks and I've seen other awful things in the past, but this was just on a whole different level. Uh, something which you know I'm still emotionally trying to uh, uh, to process. And you know, one of the takeaways that I also learned, uh, having had briefings uh, by various senior military folks from the IDF, you know, I thought reading this that. You know what had happened is there were a handful of terrorists who came through um, the, uh, the the border uh, and attacked these people. And what I've really learned is that it was an army of terrorists. It was an actual invasion uh, of the state of Israel. There were ninety different incursion points uh, at which uh, this army of terrorists came through into Israel, well armed, well trained well-equipped with enough firepower and enough uh, munitions uh, to get to Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, which was their ultimate goal. And But for uh, the heroic acts of you know everyday ordinary civilians in these communities, the local police, and, and ultimately the IDF when they were able to mobilize, uh, it, it stopped them from their, their real goal, which was to get to, to Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. But, um, you know, this wasn't a handful of, of, of crazy terrorists. This was an army of, of terrorists, and uh, uh, they are the most uh, evil, barbaric, uh, inhumane uh, animals uh, walking the face of the earth. One of the things that, you know, I heard about that day and the immediate aftermath was that after the Hamas militants, you know, entered uh, entered Israeli territory and committed these atrocities, that then civilians poured into the area, uh, you know, Gazans and and looted and 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 you know and, and basically you know pillaged, uh, you know, from from dead Israelis. Did, did did you find out anything more about that? Did that did that in fact occur? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a. Very true point. So what we learned in our military briefings, and I want to just take a second to uh, not only thank the vice president for uh, including me, it was important for me to, to go there uh, and to bear witness uh, personally to uh, the atrocities. Uh, but I just want to thank him for for going and, and for showing the, the solidarity and, and the message uh, of somebody of you know his significance to to. Um, let the Israeli people and the Israeli government know that the American people stand uh, with Israel. And so I'm very grateful for him going, and I'm grateful to have been included. And in one of the uh, briefings that we got, uh, we learned that there were really, uh, Sam, three waves of the attack. The first wave were, you know, uh, just to uh, put it in, in context, what would be the equivalent of, you know, like the, the Navy SEALs or the Delta, you know, the highly trained guys, uh, you know, the, 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 the professional soldiers, you know, um, then uh, the second wave was uh, just sort of the the regular sort of military type 
uh, Hamas types. And finally, the third wave was all the other people driving, biking across, walking. You know, once they had done that, and that's when you know that's when the the the, the looting and and uh, all that other stuff uh, took place. But the you know it came in three waves, um, and at the end, when just the average Gazans started pouring through the the holes in the border um, at the incursion points. Um, that's when you were just getting just you know the sort of regular the regular citizens. Yeah, the civilians. Civilians, right? Quote, and, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so how? And I, I know I know that Vice President Pence uh, is and always has been uh, an enormous supporter of of Israel. How how was what was his reaction to it? How you know this 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 was the first time he'd been since October seventh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, his reaction was the same of my, as mine. I don't think you could see the things that we saw, and and on top of that, meet. You know, we spent a lot of time when we were in Kfaraza, for instance, talking to. You know, one of the things we learned in these kibbutz is when, um, unlike in in uh, you know the the U.S., where you know you turn eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you can still live and stay with your parents in in these kibbutz. When you hit uh, adulthood, uh, they give you your own home to you know you have your own home away from your parents and so uh we would meet with uh, fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers of uh, of people who were in two different places in two different homes uh telling the stories about uh trying to get to their loved ones in a different part of of the kibbutz uh they showed us the the just the horrific text messages as, as things were, you know, about how they were saying, I love you. I'm going to die. You know, uh, they're about to burn down the house. I smell fire. I'm scared. Oh, I mean, just these horrific text messages. And you talk to these folks and uh, it's just heartbreaking. And we also met with uh, uh, the families of the uh, hostages who are still being held, American hostages and Israeli hostages. And to hear um, the story of their loved ones, who they were, their history, their vibrancy, you know, so many of them had their whole lives ahead of them. Some of them had children or just married. And, you know, just the pleading and just the agony that these people are, are going through, knowing, uh, not knowing uh, if their loved ones are alive or dead, uh, if they're uh, being tortured, if they're being sexually assaulted. You know, they just and they just want answers and they want help. And it, you know, was so um, frustrating because, you know, they're they're pleading for help and you want to do something. Uh, but there's just nothing you can do, and it, and you, you just want to hug them and and uh, um, you know comfort them. And uh, but it, th- that trip will this trip, and I've been to Israel probably about thirty times. This trip uh, has changed me. I will never be the same uh, after that. And I think the vice president feels the same way um, as well. Um, you know, you can't do what we did, or you can't see what we saw, or talk to the people we talked to, and not come away. Uh, just emotionally impacted um, in a in a in a way that you know will leave scars for for a long time. I, I have no doubt. Uh, c- can you bear with me here through the break? I I need to take uh, a short pause because what I want to ask you about are specifically the hostages, um, and and you know and and what what the what the update is on that because that's that's the that's the continuing trauma that needs to be. Sorted out. Um, so I, I, I've got here, by the way, folks, if, if you're just tuning in, uh, Matt Brooks from the Republican Jewish Coalition uh, uh, is here with me in studio uh, in Las Vegas. 
and we're, we're talking about his trip with Vice President Pence. Uh, he just got back um, uh, here to the country from uh, a visit to Israel, and it's uh, really just um, powerful stuff. Thank you, Matt, so much for, for being here. Uh, bear with me, folks. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. You're listening to The What's Right Show, uh, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here. Uh, coming to you live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas in studio with me. Matt Brooks visiting uh, from Washington. Uh, Matt is the head of the RJC, the Republican Jewish Coalition. Uh, Matt had the um, the honor, I, I, I think true honor, of, of, of going to Israel and accompanying Vice President Pence uh, there on, on, on his visit uh, to the country following October 7th attacks. And so, Matt, we're, we're, um, thank you so much for coming in and, and, and sharing your experiences. It means the world to me, and I know every one of our listeners. Well, it's, it's um, you know, the fact that I was able to go and, and uh, bear witness to it with my own eyes and now, you know, give testimony to hopefully get uh, your listeners and everybody uh, a better understanding. Because, again, uh, what you don't see in the media, I mean, what you see in the media and read in the papers does not do justice uh, to the reality of of the horror that took place, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, I, I get, I, I know that, and I want to talk about the hostages here, but uh, I, I, I also recognize that no matter how much people have seen on Twitter, what they've read about, what they've, what they've heard about, I, I, I just don't think anything can can quite capture like standing in the room where where people were were slaughtered in this way. I mean. And that's what you experienced. You you went into the homes and the and the places where 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 these atrocities occurred. Yeah, the uh, the sights and the smells of walking uh, in those places will never leave me. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So, how many hostages remain in captivity, and what is what is the plan to get them home? Well, the plan ultimately is to keep as much pressure on Hamas um, as possible to um, get them to release these hostages. Um, there's o- over 100 hostages still being held. Uh, I believe the current number of Americans, I think, is is at eight, that there are still eight American citizens being held uh, as hostages by, by Hamas. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is that uh, Hamas wants uh, a ceasefire. Hamas wants this to end. Uh, they control all that. You know, uh, if they lay down their arms, if they surrender, if they give up the hostages, uh, you know, but they refuse to do so. And they continue to launch attacks and, and to fight and to kill. Um, and so our our prayers and our hopes is that while this is going on, our hostages uh, are safe. Um, we can't get any engagement from uh, the Red Cross even to go in and, and, you know, what you would normally have in these situations throughout all of history. The Red Cross would come in and, and they would assess and, and talk to them and see who needs medical help and provide 
support. Is that a failing of the Red Cross? Oh, it's or? an absolute failure of the Red Cross, number one, but it's also a failure from us. But the, the International Red Cross, uh, in my estimation, uh, because of their inaction and their unwillingness to engage and to uh, – genuinely do the humanitarian work that they need to do in this case um, has the blood of all these hostages on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think of course there's a political component to that, which we can, we can set aside for the moment, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's despicable that the red cross is, has not come in and, 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 and pushed they, my understanding is they haven't really even pressed the issue of yeah. going in and they've and, only pressed the humanitarian aid for the for the citizens. That's of right, Gaza. completely one sided, which yeah. goes against you know the, the, the putative charter of the of the of the organization. And by the way, P.S. You know, you also have to include in that list, which I think is is uh, uh, an absolute disgrace and an embarrassment is is the total fecklessness of of the United Nations, uh, who have just abdicated any role uh, in. Uh, trying to accomplish their mission uh, in this. And, and again, as you alluded to earlier, it's, it's all politics. Well, right. Um, and, and we have our own fecklessness here at home, too. I mean, that's, and I, I hope you can remain with me at, uh, through the top of the hour because I, I want to get into the, you know, the, the, the politics of it, both in Israel, because I think you know, I shared briefly with the audience yesterday that you and I had had a conversation and talking about the, the, the unity that you witnessed from various political factions within Israel that there is a you know there is a real togetherness on eradicating Hamas and 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 not backing down one iota. So I, I want to get into that in a moment. But as to the hostages, I mean our there has to be an also another part of this not just because I, I know there's some negotiations now occurring that you know and and and, and whatnot, but I, I'm I'm certain that the IDF and the intelligence Mossad, et cetera, are are actively looking for these hostages and fi- trying to find them. Um, they f- they're flushing out the tunnels. Yeah. Um, I and I you know I I'm not I'm sure you got briefings. Not all of it you want you you know you you can or are are able to share, but I mean there is I, I would assume there is an active effort to to find these hostages, and 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 to to free them. Oh, there's no question. Um, there is uh, an active effort um, uh, on the part of the Israelis, the Mossad in, in particular, and, and the Shin Bet uh, and the IDF uh, to to ferret out and try through whatever means of intelligence gathering or uh, uh, just boots on the ground to try and find out where these hostages are being held and do everything they can in their power to, to free them. And, you know, my... My hope is that all of your listeners who are hearing this and, and thinking about this will keep these these people in their thoughts and their prayers. Uh, you and I both wear uh, a set of dog tags now that that uh, uh, to recognize the hostages and send you know with the, with, it says bring them home now. And so we we can't forget them. We can't forget about them. Um, and uh, we have to all you know whatever it takes. They need we, they need to both Americans and Israelis need to come home. Absolutely, a fact. When you when you you interacted a fair amount, I, I assume with with um, you know some frontline IDF soldiers probably saw some people. What what was the morale like? The morale I've never seen the morale like that. And uh, so we were uh, one day uh, after we had gone south into the kibbutz, we went up to the north, which uh, as you know is now a hot spot with Hezbollah and Lebanon attacking Israel. Uh, from the north, and so we met with the uh, general who heads the northern command, who's on the 
front lines of, of dealing with the Hezbollah threat. Uh, and then we met at an artillery battery with uh, rank-and-file troops, uh, Vice President Pence. Uh, it was a rainy, cold day, sat in the mud uh, outside on a card table and ate lunch with the troops. And uh, I will tell you, they come from all walks of life uh, in Israel. Uh, there were... Uh, uh, Israelis of color from Ethiopia who were there. There were Americans uh, uh, who came over uh, as lone soldiers to, to, to be in the IDF, and they're all reservists, and they are all mostly, you know, volunteer soldiers. Uh, and the morale was, was unlike anything I had ever seen. They all understand their mission. They all understand uh, that they need to be there to do, and they're committed to uh, doing whatever it takes for as long as it takes to achieve victory. And it was just, you know, if, if, if all the sorrow, all the heartbreak uh, of, of the trip uh, was, was mitigated somewhat by the inspirational nature of talking to these uh, young, brave uh, soldiers who were uh, on the front lines of protecting Israel. And 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 again, I mean, some I've <laughs> seen reports here in, in 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 the in the media saying, you know, this is a, it's a, it was a, it's a tough fight. Obviously, it is um, that that the soldiers are getting worn down. Things like this, I, I think it. I, I I think it's propaganda. I think it's nonsense. I I, I really there is a, there has to be an unbelievable resolve among among Israelis among Jews to protect. And 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 fix this once and for all. So when we come back, in fact, that's going to be the next thing I ask is getting into the politics of it domestically in Israel, and 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 our our you know our the pressure that's coming from Biden, I think that is that is you know depressing me a little bit. So I want to I want to get into that if we if we can. I got to take a quick break here. We got uh, Sam Marchofsky here, of course. Well, what's right show? Matt Brooks the head of the RJC, Republican Jewish Coalition. Uh, Back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to samandashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Happy Wednesday. Uh, got in my car, by the way, this morning, and uh, Matt, I got Matt Brooks here, my friend uh, from the Republican Jewish Coalition, visiting from D.C. I know this is going to be a, a, a silly complaint, Matt, but I got in my car this morning, and I got a frost warning, a freezing warning that we were uh, – that was like 34 degrees, so um, – we don't like that here. We're not used to that. I know you are, but uh, but we aren't. So I have a qu- I have a question for you. Uh, where of course we're talking about your trip to Israel. This is an aside, but I, I need to bring it up because I, okay, how much do you fly every year? You fly a lot, right? Yeah, you're I, you're on the airlines all the time. A couple hundred thousand miles a year. Okay, have you been following this? DEI stuff with what's going on with the hiring of pilots? Oh yeah, Th- this is scary. wild. I just I have this. And I'm bringing this up. This is a, a, a you know proxy statement here, um, incentive plan for executives at Boeing. And this is Boeing. This is a company obviously been in the news because you know a, a door flew off the the airplane. But the airlines are doing this too with the, with the pilots. But the Boeing plan, the difference in the annual incentive plan from 2021 to 2022, and it's circled right here. 
what do you notice about the change from 21 to 22 of uh, and this is what they're rewarding their executives these are the important targets for Boeing for their executives to actualize um, in order to get their bonuses what do you see there isn't it this is wild their uh, diversity Clim- climate diversity equity and inclusion if you're a shareholder of Boeing or like you and I, we fly a fair amount. In fact, I, I probably two weeks don't go by that I'm not on a Boeing aircraft. Do you care any bit about their diversity hiring, or do you just want the you know the doors to the airplane to stay, stay on, on in flight? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't think it's asking a lot to you know to try and keep the the doors and the windows intact while you're flying. It's uh, you know it's a pretty basic request that you hope they would uh, follow. But you know, uh, look, the I'm old enough to remember. Uh, when this country focused on a meritocracy where the best were, you know, uh, allowed to, to thrive and excel. Uh, and clearly we should always be colorblind and race blind and gender blind, but we should always focus on hiring the best possible people regardless uh, of their religion, their skin color, their gender or anything else. You know, I don't want my doctor – uh, to be hired uh, based on DEI criteria. I want my doctor to be the smartest, most capable, well-trained, talented person, black, white, male, woman, Jew, Muslim, whatever. Uh, I just want them to, to, to be best. I don't want somebody who was a diversity hire who got into uh, medical school because they had to fill a, a, a quota who's not up to the standards of care that we would expect. And what, my pilots, uh, you know, my my uh, uh, my soldiers defending the country, uh, you know, anything. It should be meritocracy-based. Let's have the best and the brightest do their jobs and, and create a, you know, a workforce that uh, obviously punishes any kind of bigotry or or, or uh, racism, but rewards and elevates people who are, who are smart and talented. Well, you know, if things like an airplane flight or open-heart surgery – um, are are similar in that they are zero fail missions, right? So who you hire for the car wash is one thing, but who you put in positions where they their failure leads to catastrophic loss of life um, is 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 sort of a big deal. And that's where this ideology, I think, it, it eventually is really going to have some horrifying consequences. And so I, I I've I've been saying I think we're at a turning point. I think people are starting to really see this and 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 be be you know, be upset by it and, and react to it, and it's moving into public discourse. But, you know, just be careful and don't sit by the emergency exit there. That was the always plane. the best seat. Right? I know. I know. Well, it it has <laughs> it has a panoramic view for some <laughs> some flights. Well, friends, I, I, I have Matt here because, and if you have uh, missed uh, the earlier portion of our show today, you'll want to go back and, and get the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey app, of course, as well. What's right show? Look for my face there. You'll you'll see it and you know, click to download and follow because Matt was just uh, on a trip to Israel here uh, over the weekend with uh, Vice President, former Vice President Mike Pence, um, and 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 Matt. I just uh, Matt's, of course, the ch- uh, head of the RJC Republican Jewish Coalition. And and I'm 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 so happy to have you here, Matt, because one of the questions I have that's really important is I keep seeing stories about how Israel wants to get the, the people in Israel want to get rid of Netanyahu, that Netanyahu's dead meat, that there are, 
you know, that there is discord within the various political factions and that that the you know, that the conclusion that a lot of media people and opinion people are drawing from that here in the U.S. is that the resolve to finish the job in Gaza and finish the job against, you know, Hezbollah in Lebanon, that it's that it's that it's waning. What did you see? What's your reaction to that? What is is that true or or not? No, I think it's it's absolutely false. One of the things that we came away with and, and was an important takeaway, you know, we met with Prime Minister Netanyahu. We met with all of the members of the war cabinet with uh, 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 Minister of Defense uh, Golant and, and Benny Gantz. And uh, we met with the president, Bougie Herzog. Uh, we met with uh, people all across the political and ideological spectrum uh, in Israel. And the takeaway, uh, first of all, is that there is no left, right, and center. It's all blue and white right now. Everybody is unified. There is no daylight uh, in any of the ministers that we talk to and any of the you know people in the war cabinet on what the mission is and what the goals are and what needs to be done. Anybody who thinks, if, as, as I think falsely the Biden administration uh, believes, is that if you change horses, if, if BB wasn't there, you put in uh, Gallant or you put in Benny Gantz or, or somebody else uh, as prime minister, that there would be a different change in, in uh you know, the Gaza operation, the reality is that absolutely not uh, everybody, uh, for the first time that I've ever seen in all of my trips, are unified and uh, totally aligned on the mission uh, and the resolve to do what it takes for as long as it takes, uh, despite, uh, I believe, the misguided uh, and and dangerous uh, efforts of the Biden administration to pressure Israel to, to begin to, to uh, wean its operations in Gaza. Uh, that would only mean a, a victory for Hamas. Hamas cannot be allowed to be reconstituted and to have any ability to uh, to uh, sprout back up again after this. So it's going to take time, uh, and uh, Israel is committed to doing what it takes for as long as it takes, regardless of any pressure by the, the United States. Well, and that was going to be the next part of my question is, is, uh, is Israel getting frustrated with, with Team Biden? What's their, what, what reactions? What things did you hear? You obviously went with, with former, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. So, um, and, and as Republicans, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you probably got some candor. Uh, and so without, you know, revealing your sources, what's your general, you know, what's your general take on that? Well, again, I don't want to, um, betray the the sensitivity and the and sort of the, the confidential conversations we we had uh, with all of the senior government people I will tell you that you know one of the things they all are unified from Prime Minister Netanyahu all the way on down is they appreciate the very public support uh, that the Biden administration has given them in terms of what uh, what the president uh, has said what uh, John Kirby uh, has said uh, to some extent Blinken uh, Jake Sullivan the national security advisor about the need for Israel uh, to uh, to defeat Hamas um, you know, the concerns that you hear is what's being talked about behind closed doors, not what the administration is saying publicly, but what they're saying privately. And I will tell you that uh, toward that end, uh, there is no appetite on the part of anybody uh, across the political spectrum uh, in power right now in Israel uh, to cease operations before the total victory is achieved, despite whatever uh, 
pressures and and uh, persuasion uh, other people are, are trying to do behind the scenes. Well, they do understand, right, that Biden is on a time frame that his clock is ticking up to November and and Biden desperately needs to put this to bed for himself politically because of of the fractures in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is, you know, I, I mean, not all of it, but has a significant portion that is uh, unbelievably sympathetic to Hamas, um, you know, and and and, and Gaza, and 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 that's and and Biden, I think, is realizing that he's he's got this this you know this this flank in his in his party that is very hostile to him he's getting shouted down at at, at political events that he's going to and nothing would you know biden's not thinking about this in terms of what's best for the world what's best for israel what's best you know what's best for the american hostages he he's thinking about what's best for his goose politically and that's dangerous it's really dangerous because i think he's my understanding is he's really pressuring israel to to do a ceasefire and to to to, to conclude hostilities, uh, yeah, there's no question that the the pressure uh, internally within the Democratic Party, uh, there's a real fissure. Uh, the progressives are obviously very uh, uh, engaged, and and I don't understand having seen what I've seen, even just stuff that you were reading in the in the newspaper, how you could stand on the side of Hamas. Uh, it's it's literally standing on the side of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis uh, back in World War II. And, and I'll point out, too, there are prominent Democrats who stood on the side of Hamas before a, a single m- movement was made by Israel on Gaza. So we're talking about people who stood by Hamas on October 8th. has nothing to do with the IDF military response. It has everything to do with naked, you know, and and unabashed Hamas terrorist Jew killing sympathies. And there's no this is (laughs) there is no equivalent of that. And it's my thinking. There's no there's nothing that comes even close to that within the Republican Party at the kind of scale that the Democratic Party has. Now, I think it's I, I think it's actually when we look back at this period of our nation's history. Uh, this will be this will be one of those. This will be a a big chapter and a heavy chapter because the Democratic Party, for some reason, and, and I you know I have my theories and maybe welcome yours, but got to get into a break here. But they 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 have they they absolutely they absolutely are 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 sympathizing with the death of innocent Israeli citizens, and they're celebrating it. Yeah. It is. Uh, there are no words. Bear with me, real quick, but just a short break, folks. Here we got Matt Brooks. Matt, you good? Got a few more minutes for me? For you, as much as you want. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, <laughs> be right back here. The What's Right Show. Matt Brooks from the Republican Jewish Coalition here with me, uh, talking about his uh, weekend trip to Israel. Just wow, lots, lots to go over. Don't go anywhere, folks. The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, will continue after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome, folks. 
uh, back to the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. So you've been following us here for a little bit. We've got Matt Brooks uh, here from D.C. had just uh, returned from a trip to Israel accompanying uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, so, Matt, uh, thank you for, for being here with us. I, I have to ask, here's the question. We were just talking about the state of the Democratic Party. You went to, you went to Israel, saw firsthand the barbarity of the events. Uh, nothing's quite like being there right in person and seeing it for your and, – and, and smelling it. I'm just being in it in person. But we all have a, a, a fairly good idea of what happened, and we – because – these animals filmed it because they published it, broadcast it. We saw very quickly, we saw on on October 7th, on October 8th, by the 10th, it was clear as day what had happened. Now explain to me how a significant portion, and I'm standing by that, a significant portion of the Democratic Party can sympathize with Hamas. How is that possible? It's indefensible, and it's unfortunately, I think, part of a of a broader trend. Um, you know, with this wokeism and the rise of the progressives, um, say you, what you will about Joe Biden and his handling of the situation. You know, my fear is that Joe Biden is the last of a generation of Democratic parties who were uh, Democratic politicians who intuitively are pro-Israel in their heart. Uh, the next level the next generation of leaders in the democratic party the aocs and and people like that um israel's going to be really uh in trouble um in the democratic party uh, as opposed to the republican party in which there is virtually 100 percent across the board support uh, for israel because they it, you know i think the the issue comes down sam to the fact that republicans understand um the binary nature of this this is a battle between good and evil. It's really, uh, I believe, the opening shots of of what I would call sort of the the Third World War right now, and it's a war of civilizations. And if Israel falls, America will fall. Israel can't be allowed to fall. Um, and Democrats don't appreciate uh, really what's at stake, and and don't appreciate. Uh, and I and I and I don't mean to paint with a incredibly broad brush. There's broad brush. There's been a you know a number of incredible uh, surprises, like uh, Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. Who, That's been a that was a you know who calls yeah. himself a progressive and and you know has now seen the light of day and is. I mean, I think he's on one this. of the only Democrats that's put up uh, pictures of hostages yeah. outside his office. Yeah, I mean, you know, whereas Rashida Tlaib and and uh, uh, others, uh, Elon Omar, have Palestinian flags hanging outside of their office. On, on Capitol Hill, John Fetterman's wall outside his office is blasted with the faces and the names of people being held hostages, to his credit. Um, and so uh, my problem is more broadly uh, the progressive left in this country. It's why we saw that absolute um, embarrassment, disaster of the testimony of the college presidents who couldn't even say that you know uh, they opposed genocide. Uh, I mean, it was, it, it was so telling. And, and my hope is... Uh, that I mean, the American people are smart. They get that. And I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the pendulum swings uh, to the right and, and reality starts to kick in and common sense starts to kick in uh, and uh, people see this for what it really is on the, on the left. I, I, I know uh, from, from 
many, many conversations that I've had with with my friends that are, you know, that are lifelong Democrats, some of them who are Jewish, some of them who are not, who are absolutely appalled um, at at this this sizable progressive faction of the Democratic Party and um, and, and are really struggling to come to terms with it. And and it's you know, I I'm. I I think obviously I I know where this is coming from. In my view, I think that the new uh, Democratic Party and the new left in America is has uh, you know has t- this 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 woke social justice agenda is really rebranded, uh, retraded in you know, a Marxism, and in that paradigm, right, you have the oppressor and the oppressed, and that and that's preordained. Right, it's just it's it's not it's you've got you know Marx you've got the you've got the workers and you've, you proletariat and you've you've got the the abuse of factory owners the uh, bourgeoisie aristocracy etc. Now here they've decided there's certain people who by definition of their birth are oppressors, and then the same for those who are oppressed. And I think they've 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 put Israel they've put Jews but Jews and you can and I will say this time and time again it doesn't matter. If you're not Jewish, okay, they're still talking about you. If you're successful, you're an oppressor. If you're white, you're an oppressor. If you oppose them, you're an oppressor, right? So if you if you look at at um, at this agenda, right, that that it's it's bigger than just Israel, right, and anti-Semitism. It's that this new American left is fundamentally hostile to anyone actually who is a contributor in society and it don't think that this problem you know taking the geopolitics out of it you, you can't appease these people by going well like we have a good mutual friend who says well this this whole situation is above my pay grade i don't want to i don't want to get into it i don't want to smart guy right very smart very yep. well read guy yep. i don't want to get into it you can't do that right now because they will come for you. These fanatics want us all dead. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Maybe no, I'm, I'm a little more I'm a little more um, uh, feisty than you, but I, I I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, I'll give you a perfect example. And and in some ways, uh, you know, this whole experience has uh, uh, you know made a lot of people. I know a lot of people are getting gun training and concealed carry permits now who never would have before because they're f- afraid. And yeah. They, you know, it's 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 really ugly out there. Yeah, no, uh, undoubtedly. Then great to have um, Matt Brooks here from the Republican Jewish Coalition, uh, just back from Israel, uh, visiting Israel with former Vice President Mike Pence. Matt, thank you for coming in. Really great to have you. The What's Right Show will continue after this. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Yeah, if you uh, that was great sitting down with... With Matt Brooks, uh, Matt, um, uh, just uh, if you missed that portion of the show, please, please go to the podcast. Matt, of course, is the head of the RJC Republican Jewish Coalition, and um, and he is 
uh, was on that trip to Israel uh, with Vice President Mike Pence, uh, taking him around. So uh, it was, was great to sit down with him and hear from him about those experiences. Now, um, I yeah, I saw that, Robbie. The journalists outside the courthouse getting caught on a hot mic joking about Trump getting assassinated. Okay, this was this was yesterday. Trump uh, was at the uh, Barrett Prettyman uh, U.S. courthouse. Okay, and he's coming out with the Secret Service, um, you know, getting in the car, and this was picked up by the cameras that were rolling outside, waiting for his imminent arrival. Even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, he'll be on the other side. Of the <laughs> I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open, yeah, or if it's a convertible, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Like if he just pulls up like, like JFK. Yeah. It's like a JFK, a Lincoln. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Maybe someone, just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. <laughs> it's so nice out there. Ha, ha, ha. He should take a convertible. You know, like JFK. It's so nice out. This is, and by the way, this is why I tell you, media certainly uh, very uh, unbiased in their reporting on Donald J. Trump. So there it is. That's people are talking about it. Thought I would uh, mention it here on the program. Now, the other thing, listen, I, this story, by the way, yesterday I talked to you, speaking of Trump, you know, he's got the election interference case down in Georgia. And remember, this is the case that so many smart people out there told you. Now, smart, i it's radio. You can't see me. Air quotes. Smart. <laughs> wink, wink. Smart people told you that that was the case that was dangerous to Trump. That that was the case where Trump really, I mean, really could get the screws put to him. So Fannie Willis, who's the chief prosecutor there, the county attorney, Fulton County, Georgia. She ran like Letitia James, AG of New York State, who uh, has her own prosecution of, well, the Trump companies, a civil case, a forfeiture proceeding, a fraud case. But this, the, the Fannie Willis case is the election case. And Fannie Willis, like Letitia James, ran on a get Trump platform. That was her thing. Now, yesterday I reported that there was were allegations that Fannie Willis has been carrying on an affair with a married Atlanta-based lawyer named Wade, Nathan Wade. Now, he's a flamboyant fellow, has a penchant for ascots and fancy suits, trial lawyer, uh, and a criminal defense attorney. But he was his firm, he basically was put on retainer by the county. Okay, so the county, the the county's the attorney's office, the the district attorney's office is hiring this outside law firm for what? Well, he was the one that was shepherding through this Trump case. And if you uh, you know, some allegations are coming out that uh, there was uh, perhaps an affair between him and Fannie Willis. Now, uh, this is. Coming out today, the news since yesterday we went on air is that his wife filed for divorce and she's making the allegation. So her name is Jocelyn Wade. 
uh, process server, he uh, filed a divorce proceedings, um, you know, uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, there, uh, Jocelyn Wade, the, the wife's, the jilted wife's um, uh, uh, lawyers are asking, are filing a subpoena to compel Fannie Willis's testimony in the divorce proceeding. So I wonder why that would be. Hmm. That means they're going to get her under oath, and she's going to have to answer under oath if she and this guy were carrying on an affair. And if if she says no, and it can be later proven, well, that I mean, she could lose her law license and and, and, and be booted from office. If she says yeah, well, then she's got a separate problem because the county paid what was it, Robbie, uh, uh, last year about six hundred fifty thousand dollars to the law firm of a guy that she's stupin. So it's like playing chess. You know, when you play chess, you you get your opponent to a place that no matter how they move, that any available move puts them in a checkmate. That's what has happened here because there's no good move. There's absolutely no good move here. I I think oh, I said this yesterday. I, it wouldn't be funny if um, Fannie Willis ends up you know, in far greater legal peril than Trump ever was down in Georgia. You got to fight these people. And I've, I, I've said this, I say it, and I'll continue to say it. Trump derangement syndrome. These people are so intent on getting Trump. And they think that they're bulletproof because they're riding that wave. They're supported by the media. They get the national fawning attention of CNN. They get on all the talk shows. They get on MSNBC, the New York Times, <laughs> breathlessly reporting their every move. And they think they are the kings of Kong, okay? They think that they're invincible. And so they do stupid stuff. They not an affair. I'm not judging Fannie Willis for having an affair. That's not the point of any of this, okay? Whatever. That's between her, him, and his wife. But I do care if she's carrying on an affair and, and then using public money, right? Funneling public cash to her lover and getting off on the aphrodisiac of, an, of, an, of, a, of a what I think is an unethical prosecution of, of Donald Trump. That's what matters to me. And so uh, if she wants to play dirty, then I think uh, the, the response to that is, and which she has, I think the response to it is go after her law license. Go after her, her entire professional existence. And uh, this wasn't a Trump situation, but very similar to it in its overall shape and flavor. And that was, of course, the Duke uh, lacrosse rape case. And you'll remember the prosecutor, Mike Nifong, Democrat, running for office, running for re-election, needs something to give his campaign a little oomph. Well, Trump wasn't around back then when this was going, so he couldn't use Trump. But what did he do? He had a, a really bad case, truly on its face, like the, the accuser for those boys was a fraudster, and he knew it. But he filed charges. He ruined these boys' lives, okay? Turned out to all be a farce. Crystal Magnum, I think was her name. Mangum, Mangum. 
I'm digging deep into the recesses of my brain for this, but but nonetheless, yeah, yeah it, it turned out that, that he didn't have much of a case, and he knew it, but he didn't turn over exculpatory evidence that he owed the, the defense attorneys. And there is a, an, a, a rule of ethics of court that, that a prosecutor has to is compelled to turn over evidence that that could help exonerate the, the defendant, the criminal defendant in a case. A criminal defense attorney doesn't have a duty to turn over evidence that, that inculpates, right, that, that would prove the guilt of his client. He can hide that, uh, generally speaking. But, but the prosecutor, prosecutors can't do that. They've got to turn that over. It's one of the key features of our system. And Nifong didn't do it, of course, because he wanted to win the election and he wanted to be the man of the people championing a poor African-American girl that had been savagely raped by these white privileged a-holes, or so went the narrative. And what did, how did that end up for Mike Nifong? Well, I think this is a tale that uh, Fannie Willis needs to consider because the way it all ended for Nifong is he ended up disbarred, out of office, and in jail. Unfortunately, only for one day. I would have sent him to jail for a decade plus. So these just this this is why the story just keeps getting better. And the invoices, oh, the invoices. That, yeah, he he was the private law firm, her alleged lover's private law firm billing Fulton County $250 an hour and 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 by the way that ends up being quite a bit more than that cuz the partial hours get get rounded up and that kind of thing um yeah that the, the, an obscene amount of money $650,000 all in the pursuit of getting Donald J Trump get the orange man People will stop at nothing, and and the ethical shortcuts that I am certain will appear as this as the story develops, boy, it's not good. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty KXNT. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law will continue in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, folks, I have to get to this here before our time is up, and that is the case that is moving through the courts, the appeal uh, stemming from Jack Smith uh, and his inquisition of Trump, uh, the question of presidential immunity. As a lawyer, I want to explain this to you because the, the media is mischaracterizing all of this as per usual. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Welcome to the What's Right show. Happy Wednesday, uh, the 10th of January. Boy, we're always third way through the month and um, just going fast. All right, so... What's this all about? Because you've heard a media sounding off on this, alleging that it is apparently, according to Trump's lawyers, perfectly permissible for him to use the military to assassinate a political opponent. Here's Ari Melber uh, saying exactly that. This is uh, yesterday. Ari's talking on MSNBC last night. Have a have a listen. Trump's lawyer claimed the president has a legal license to murder his American political rivals in some cases. Let me repeat that reporting again. Today, Trump lawyer John Sauer told the court that as president, 
Trump could murder Americans and never be prosecuted for it after leaving office, driving new headlines that will shock anyone with a sense of shock left. This is the headline in America tonight. A former president would have immunity for the assassination of rivals. And that immunity covers having rivals assassinated in America, according to Trump's lawyer in court today. That is what he affirmed. This is not a drill. This is now asserted in court a very public, very damning, very dangerous part of this former president's defense. This is not a drill. Robbie, did you laugh at that? Because I heard this and I laughed my ass off, okay? This is not a drill. This is now asserted in court, a very public, very damning, very dangerous part of this former president's defense. My God, these people are so dumb. Here is what Trump's lawyer actually said in court. Here is his back and forth with the appeals court judge, federal appeals court judge. Listen to this. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to seal Team 6. He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If you what if proceed? you weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no pr- criminal liability for that. Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a yes or no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. Okay. So then she goes, well, you said, so you're, you're giving me a yes. You're giving me a yes. So your answer is, is no. Is, my answer is qualified yes. There is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. I've I've asked you a a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken by a president and could be considered official acts. And I've asked you, would such a president be subject to criminal prosecution if he's not impeached or convicted? And your answer, your yes or no answer is no. So this judge, this is uh, Florence Pan, by the way, that's uh, she was appointed uh, to the U.S. District Court of Appeals uh, for the uh, Columbia D.C. Circuit uh, by Joe Biden. Okay, so just to be clear, uh, Joe Biden appointed her. Her first federal judgeship came from uh, Barack Obama. So this is a Democrat appointee with this absurd theoretical. However, you hear what the Trump lawyer says, and he's right about this. A Trump lawyer says, no, you can't have you. It's the separations. uh, You've got you've got the separations of powers is how the Constitution is set up. It's very important. You can't hold the presidency hostage, uh, the executive branch hostage by the judicial branch. It's kind of funny because the judicial branch here, the you know, the, the the judge, right? who is a part of the judicial branch, wants authority over the executive. 
She wants it. It's obvious in her in her in her discuss in her way she's asking these questions. But a president has to be first impeached, has to be impeached, and then can be criminally charged. But the removal of a president or the the um, criminal prosecution after a presidency of a president, um, you know, it, 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 can't, it can't happen. And the fact that he's not president anymore, imagine if a future president, for example, let's say Republicans gain more power in the Senate, in Congress, gain some ground and are able to. You know, at, let's say, let's say, but yeah, have 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 the same power that the Democrats have, and were to threaten a sitting president. When you, Joe Biden, when you get out of office, we're going to criminally charge you for what you did. I mean, that's now it's now it's the legislative branch threatening the executive branch to do what they want and using the the judicial branch of government to execute on the threat. I, I can tell you right now this is not what the founding fathers intended. And the best part about this is is that Trump has other defenses here, obviously. I mean, this is not – but this is an important point that needs to get decided. And if ultimately I, – I look, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is going to rule against Trump – but this this question will go to the Supreme Court, and when it does and it gets properly decided, it guts Jack Smith's case. It guts it. So just like with the Fannie Willis deal, the, the, everyone that said that these things were uh, – that Trump was big time in trouble and he's, uh, he's not going to make it across the finish line because he's, he's – uh, you know, he, he's he's mortally wounded, you know, politically speaking. Um, I, I think it's just all been complete nonsense. So that's that's it. Um, ah, yeah, well, the, the, yeah, the first first votes uh, are going to be in Iowa. What on the 15th? Five days next week. Uh, Vivek's running ads. <laughs> this is a good one. Vivek Ramaswamy, new uh, Iowa ad. Listen to this. I'm Vivek Ramaswamy, and I approve this message. The mainstream media is trying to rig the Iowa GOP caucus in favor of the corporate candidates who they can control. Don't fall for their trick. They don't want you to hear from me about the truth of what really happened on January 6th, the truth about the COVID origin, the Hunter Biden laptop story, and everything else they have lied to you about. So you can fix that. Take your remote and turn this <laughs> off. <laughs> this is great. Well, I, I tell you, again, my prediction is we'll see. But I think Vivek will uh, outperform his polling averages. I think that's going to be one of the big surprises that happens uh, in, in Iowa, no doubt. All right, friends, uh, we got to wind this up. It's been two hours. been a great show. Again, the podcast, What's Right Show, you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, the Odyssey app as well. Uh, we had a long conversation today with Matt Brooks from the Republican Jewish Coalition. Uh, with um, He just got uh, visiting us here in, in Vegas after being with Vice President Mike Pence uh, in Israel. So that was a, a great conversation. If you missed that, uh, definitely grab the podcast and, um, and share it with some friends. Let people know this is a great show. 
I know you're trying to hog all this wisdom all for yourself, but uh, don't you know? Don't don't be don't be like that. Sharing is caring. All right, let's have a great day. I'll see you here tomorrow. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Thank you.